Throughout the majority of our Wednesdays together this fall, we've been looking at these true crimes of the Bible. And tonight, uh, our last true crime of the Bible, uh, and, 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 I, and I know you might be thinking to yourself, well, uh, aren't there a lot more crimes in the Bible than just the few that we've covered? And the answer is, of course, yes. And in Dr. Bruce Becker's book, he goes through a few more than, than we've gone through here on these Wednesday nights. And of course, there's even more than that in Scripture. But, but here's what I hope you can take from the series. That no matter what evil people have planned in this world, God can even work through that evil to accomplish his good purpose. And tonight we'll see that in our final person that we're going to look at, the Apostle Paul. All right, so who are my Harry Potter fans in here? Raise your hand if you're a Harry Potter fan. Okay, you don't have to be a fan, but most of you, I think, are at least aware of Harry Potter. And I want you to think back, because if you're a, a true Harry Potter fan, then you're the type of person that, that when you're channel surfing and you see that, oh, uh, another Harry Potter movie, movie marathon this weekend, you might stop and watch a little bit. But I want you to go back. I want you to go back to the first time you either read or saw those movies. Because unless I'm wrong, I think most people are like me, you were surprised when all of a sudden in the final book it was revealed that two people who were sworn enemies for the entire series, Harry and Snape, that Snape was actually not on the wrong team, but was a friend of Harry and was protecting Harry all through his time at Hogwarts. Somebody who seemed to be the enemy and on the wrong side of things suddenly was revealed as a person who was working for Harry's good. I want you just to think about that picture a little bit. And, and even if you're not a Harry Potter fan, you can certainly understand the picture of the surprise of somebody who seemed to be an enemy all of a sudden being on the right side because that's the story of the Apostle Paul. You might know that the Apostle Paul didn't start as Paul. He actually started as a man called Saul. And, and perhaps you can remember some of these facts about his life. Who, who was Paul? Well, when he was known as Saul... The first time we see him in scripture is actually in the book of Acts, the end of chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8, at the stoning of Stephen. And as he's at the stoning of Stephen, the people are laying their cloaks at Saul's feet and we're told that Saul gave approval to the death of Stephen. And then a couple of verses later, when a mass persecution breaks out, it's Saul Described this way, going from house to house and destroying Christians. That's what he was doing. So why, we might ask. Why was Paul doing that? At the start of chapter 9 of Acts, we're actually told that he was still breathing out murderous threats against God's people. It all goes back to the way Saul was raised. In Philippians chapter 3, he tells us that he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was, in regard to the law, faultless. He followed all of God's laws, what he thought was to perfection. In the book of Galatians, he actually says that he was so good at being a Pharisee that he was advancing in Judaism beyond people his own age. I suppose if the Pharisees had somebody that they could hold up as the model of what it meant to be a Pharisee, Saul's picture might have been on that poster. So what was missing? 
What was missing is simply this. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Savior. Paul certainly believed, at least it seems like he did, that, that what he was doing was actually serving God rather than hurting him. And in his zeal to take away, take people away from something that he thought was false, that believing that Jesus was the Messiah, he was actually persecuting those followers of Jesus rather than supporting them. Maybe I'll let Paul just sort of describe it himself for you in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. He writes this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Can you see the crimes of the Apostle Paul when he was known as Saul in these verses? If you take a look at those crimes, he, he first of all imprisoned God's people. As a matter of fact, when he was on his way to Damascus, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, he was going to round up Christians and bring them back to imprison them in Jerusalem. And it wasn't just that he wanted to imprison them. He acted, Paul himself says, in violence. That's an interesting Greek word. Sometimes it's translated insolent, and I don't know if we know that any better, but, but, but uh, one person who commented on that word in the Greek said, it's with the intention to harm. So not caring about the other person, but actually enjoying the harm that you're inflicting. That's how Paul describes himself. Was he a murderer? I don't know that we can say 100% that he murdered anyone, but he certainly was an accessory to the imprisonment of God's people, to the blaspheming of the name of Jesus, and to the violence that was handed out to the Christians. But did you catch what he said in 1 Timothy chapter 1? That he acted in ignorance? This is Paul's way of saying he kind of thought he was on the right path. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was serving God. But his zeal blinded him. It blinded him from seeing who Jesus actually was. One thing that the scriptures make abundantly clear is that Christians were afraid of Paul. And after Paul was out of the picture, after he was converted, there was a period of peace that settled on the Christian church because the main persecutor of Christians was gone. Do you remember how all that came about? Paul was on his way to Damascus with evil intent, and yet God stopped him in his tracks, literally. A, blind, a blinding light came down from heaven, and, and Saul fell to his knees and, and then heard this voice, the voice of Jesus, Saul. Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, is what Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What happened next was Saul was made blind. He went to the house of a man named, An a house in, in, in Damascus where Ananias came to visit him and restored his sight. And it was during those couple of days of blindness that that Paul must have thought about the Old Testament scriptures, realized that, that Jesus truly was the Messiah and everything changed. But can you imagine 
The first time that Paul went to the synagogue to talk to the Christians about Jesus, about how the Old Testament scriptures matched up to Jesus, that maybe they were still a little bit leery, a little bit afraid. Can we really trust this guy? Isn't this the one who used to persecute Christians and, and now he's on our team? It's amazing what God accomplished through the Apostle Paul. I want to take a little, a little, a little pause from our story because maybe you've been asked this question before, and I'm, I think by our little devotion tonight, I'm probably giving away my own answer to this. But this question, if you could have dinner with any character from the Bible, who would you pick and what's the first question you'd ask them? Can we just agree for tonight that let's not pick Jesus? Because I think we maybe would all like to pick Jesus. Oh, I know, you're all disappointed. Like, oh, that was my answer. But can I give you just a minute or so to talk with somebody next to you and think about that and just tell them who the person you'd like to have dinner with is? And it doesn't have to be what question you'd ask, but maybe the why you'd want to sit down to dinner with them. Go ahead, I'm going to give you about a minute or so to do that. Okay, I can't take everybody's answers, but I'd like to hear just a couple. If there's anybody who would like to volunteer who they said they would love to have dinner with sometime. Anybody want to? There's no wrong answer to this. This is one of the best questions ever because you can't get it wrong. Anybody want to share? No problem. Art, please. Yeah. Yeah, what happened to Solomon, right? The, the, the wisest man on earth and yet uh, had some troubles when it came to his faith life. And hopefully the book of Ecclesiastes demonstrates his repentance, right, later in his life. That's a good one. Anybody else? Bethany, you want to share? All right. Can you tell, give us a little why? Yeah. Right, so if you didn't hear that, and for those of you on the live stream, uh, Bethany's answer is Hosea because he continues to trust God even though he's asked to go back to his adulterous wife and that whole thing is a picture of the church and Christ, right? Of the church and our God. So yeah, that's a great one. Somebody else? One more. I'll take one more. Quaid, please. Melchizedek. Melchizedek, one of the mystery people in scripture. So what, what's your reason for wanting to, just to find out more about him? Yeah. Yeah. And the writer to the Hebrews too, just Melchizedek, and uh, he shows up in a couple of other places in the Psalms. And then, of course, from Genesis 14, Melchizedek. Uh, yeah, kind of a mystery man on scripture. I like that. Well, as I probably already indicated, my answer would be Paul. And, and my reason for wanting to visit with Paul is just sim this simple he is somebody who understands grace better than maybe anybody else on the pages of Scripture. 
and, and just how he could express that and, and what God did in his life. Listen, listen to how Paul describes it in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He writes this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I love how Paul just lays that out for us, considering himself the worst of all sinners. Think about it. The greatest missionary the church has ever known still considered himself, because of his previous life, the worst of all sinners. Do you know what the name Paul means? It actually was borrowed from the Latin language. It actually means small. There are people who think that maybe Paul chose that name because he was short in stature. Maybe. I think it's certainly possible that he chose that name for himself, renaming himself from Saul to Paul because he felt small from a spiritual point of view as he, as he describes here in 1 Timothy. But look at his hope because his hope is your hope and mine too. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And then Paul even gives the reason. He said, the reason I was shown mercy is so that God could display his unlimited patience in me. Isn't that a cool thing? It's like Paul knew that when he walked around and, and people saw that, that he had changed, he had gone from being this persecutor of the church to somebody who now believed in Jesus and not just believed in him, but wanted to tell everybody about him. And they could almost wonder and say, well, that's the same Saul, this Paul? And God has been merciful to him and has changed his heart and changed his life? Then there's hope for me, too. That's what God did through the Apostle Paul. He displayed his love to all people. This is a trustworthy saying, Paul says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save people. Paul, you, me, everyone. That's who Jesus came into this world to save. And that's how Paul's story is our story. Maybe we can't claim to be persecutors of the church or blasphemers, but we know our sins. We know that we fall far short of the glory of God. We know that we desperately need a Savior from sin. We know that there's nothing in us that caused Jesus to come to this world and die for us. There's nothing in us that merits what Jesus has done. But he did it anyway. He came to this life and took your sins and mine on him. He went to a cross to suffer our punishment for sin. He rose from the dead to guarantee that sin is gone forever and that you stand before God just as Paul does, righteous, holy, and blameless. You are rescued by Jesus, a person, a Savior, who calls you his friend, who makes you a child of God who promises you an inheritance forever with him in heaven. That's why I want to sit down. I would love to sit down to dinner with Paul just to be reminded of the grace that he experienced. That, that's my grace and your grace too. A couple of thoughts to take away from our devotion tonight. Number one, God's grace turned Paul from persecutor to missionary. His grace is powerful in us too. 
The Apostle John, I love this statement in, in, in John chapter 1 when he's talking about Jesus being the Word and the Word was made flesh or became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And then he says this, Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Here's the idea behind that. It's like God is stacking grace on top of grace for us. The grace to send Jesus to die for us. The grace to choose us as his own children. The grace to take us to heaven with him forever. Number two, though we do not merit his grace, God's mercy gives us all a story to tell. I love how Paul says it in verse 16, that when God showed him mercy, it was as an example for those who would come to believe in Jesus and inherit eternal life. You and I have the same blessing. People who are heirs of life forever, who can share that story with all people. So what's your story? Maybe many of you in here tonight, some of you at least are like me, where you don't remember a time when you weren't a believer in Jesus. What a blessing I've had in my life to be born in a family that loved Jesus, that took me to church, that baptized me as a baby, that made sure that I, I grew up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Maybe some of you here tonight have come to Jesus a little bit later in your life, not your whole life, and, and, and what joy you have in knowing that that Savior from sin is yours. And maybe there's some here tonight who are still wondering, still searching a little bit, still wondering what this Jesus is all about. Here's why Paul's story matters and why it's so great that Paul's story is yours. We all need a savior from sin. We all fall short of God's glory and in Jesus we have the savior that we need. We have a trustworthy saying, Paul says, Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. You, me, and all people. Because of him, we have life. Life now and life forever in heaven. That's a great story to cherish. And it's a great story to share. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Some of you heard last week and then on Sunday that one of our uh, first year students, uh, Joe Lindenberg, uh, had the Joy of knowing that his mom is in heaven, but also the idea that uh, he will live the rest of his life in this world, waiting to meet her again and, and join her forever in heaven. I'd like to pray tonight for the thanksgiving for his mom's victory, uh, but peace and comfort for Joe as well. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we, are, we marvel once again tonight that you have made us your own children, that you call us your friends that we are heirs of life with you forever in heaven. Thank you for the trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that you came into this world to save us, sinners though we are, and that we have life with you forever. Help us to cherish your love for us. Give us strength to live out our days in this world to your glory. And then lead us to grasp and hold and cling to the joy that we know is waiting for us forever in heaven with you. It is that joy that Joe's mom is now experiencing with you and, and how, how grateful we are for your goodness to her and in her life here on this world, that she loved you and, and had faith in you as her Savior. But we also pray for Joe and his family. Uh, you know the sting and the pain of loss of a loved one. 
We pray that you comfort the family, bring them peace in the promises that you have made, and fill their hearts with joy in knowing that an eternal reunion is waiting in heaven. We pray all of these things in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.